So we're going to be studying today, um, and kids, y'all have a, a picture that will help uh, think about this, but we're going to be studying today the superpower of what's called solitude and silence. And there's this little boy praying in front of this picture window. My wife found all this for us to, to color. And uh, it kind of represents this moment of solitude and quietness before God. And so this picture right here, if you would color it first, kids, it'll be right along with what Pastor Stan's going to talk to your parents about. Um, and uh, on our fifth Sundays, we want our kids to be part of this so they can learn how big church works and see adults see you worshiping and see you singing and see you listening to the Word of God. But what is one of the basic behaviors of Jesus that's easy to imitate, um, but it, and it proves to give us great faith and spiritual strength? It's one of the easiest things you can imitate of Jesus. You can't do his miracles. Most of us are pretty good at that, right? Um, nobody here I know is going to walk on water. I don't know if you ever tried, but it doesn't work very well, right? Um, you, you know, you, you probably don't just walk through the hospital just healing people left and right, although we'd love to be able to do that. Um, that doesn't work. Um, he had all these other gifts. He could, you know, he could teach in a way that when people heard him teach, they're like, man, nobody's ever taught like that before. He's, he's greater than the greatest teacher, right? So probably not going to have that gift or that discipline. Um, but it, and he had this gift of prayer. He had fellowship prayer. By the way, next week we're going to have a, have a guest come in and talk to you about prayer in a way that probably, hopefully you've not heard and help strengthen your prayer life as a superpower. He could read the Word very clearly. He, he several times opened up the Word and expounded it really magnificently. But solitude was something that Jesus practiced often in his personal life on earth as fully God and fully man, us, he practiced solitude, and I think it's a, a discipline that's fast fading away. Our culture is just running so doggone fast. Um, it's so hard to find these moments of solitude. Let me just take you to some scriptures in the Old Testament. This is not a complicated lesson today because it's about being still and quiet and listening to God, right? Being still and quiet and listening to God. So it won't be hard to explain that to you. Zephaniah, you're never going to find that, so I'm going to just let you see it on the screen. Zephaniah 1 verse 7 says, be silent before the Lord God. Be silent before God. Habakkuk 2.20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. The Lord is in his holy temple. I love how Peterson in, in the message, how he did this, sort of put it in his own paraphrase. But, oh, he says, God is in his holy temple. Quiet, everyone. A holy silence is here, and he says, listen. Listen in the silence. That's a big part of what true solitude is, is to listen in the silence. And we'll talk about that as we go. And then, of course, Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of the host is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So be still and know, Brother Al's not here today, but usually when I quote this verse, he mumbles to himself right there, and I hear him say because his translation, his personal translation verse is, shut up, <laughs> shut up, and know that I am God. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that, because some of the Hebrew words there have, have the concept of quieting everything, including your tongue, just, just holding everything still so that you can know that God exists. Um, we can actually practice some of the disciplines of Jesus in order to become more like him. Everybody in this room that knows Christ your Savior, every one of us is supposed to be more like Jesus tomorrow than you were yesterday. Every one of us. 
Somehow we're supposed to be growing into the image of Christ and looking more and more like Him and how we respond to people and how we respond to troubles and how we respond to conflict or insult or whatever. We're supposed to be more like Him. And one of the disciplines that we can practice to become more like Him is His practice of solitude for the sake of spiritual health. Um, and it's, it's one of those very important things that we often kind of overlook and don't get taught on very much. I look back at my notes, and it's been 2006 was the last time I mentioned it as a theme of a main, uh, main point. But one of, um, one of the things I want us to do today is kind of learn how to practice it, but look at some examples of it in Scripture. Solitude and silences, uh, we're just going to talk about the, uh, exactly what it is. Okay, so let's talk about what is, what is solitude and silence. And there, it's a discipline that's about abstinence. Okay, it's, it's about abstaining from, abstaining from sounds. Now, not all sounds, because if you go out in nature, not like in quiet nature, right? Those of us that are looking forward to it in a few months, we'll get to sit in some deer stands and just watch the world go by quietly for a little while. Um, you can't make all the birds be quiet. You sure can't make the squirrels that sound like deer be quiet. That drives me nuts when you're deer hunting. Uh, the way these squirrels sneak up behind you and just mess with your mind. Um, and you have to figure out, you know, do I need to pay attention to that or no? And then you realize it's a squirrel. And sometimes you think it's a squirrel and it's a deer and you let it go and you're, oh, it's terrible. But, but you can't quiet nature. And actually, I think part of what God means in the call of Scripture for us to go to uh, a quiet place, sometimes I think he means to get away from here and get out into nature, get into the quietness of his creation and let that be a part of it. And I know I skipped over Psalm uh uh, was it five? Yeah, you want to go back to that for me, would you? Sorry. Yeah, you're my, my favorite guy to help me. Give ear to my words, Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groanings. Give attention to the sound of my cry. My King and my God is a prayer. For to you I, do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. And then the word means, and I stop doing everything and just watch and wait. It's a, it, the end of his prayer time and sacrifice to God. The psalmist says, then I just wait on you. And I'm still, it means still and quiet. I'm just still and I'm quiet. And I believe that we can practice those. And I think when we do, we will greatly influence other people. Uh, I think we will become huge influencers of, uh, of people. I'm going to borrow this hand out real quick. Um, solitude is actually an aloneness. It's, it's a special way for us to be alone, but it's not loneliness. A lot of people can get those confused and think that they live in solitude. And solitude, mean, you can live in solitude and be lonely. You can live in solitude and be connected to God. And solitude has to do with an aloneness that's actually planned. It's an aloneness that you mean to have for your pur purpose of spiritual growth. And you intentionalize your aloneness time. Set aside some time to just be quiet and alone with God, quiet and alone with your own thoughts at times. And then solitude and silences are disciplines about abstinence, um, about abstinence of sound, like stop letting sound influence you. How many, I know, I know the answer to this because I'm 1,000% this way. The minute you're in your car, the music's on or podcast, whatever you're to, the minute you're at home, the TV's come on or the radio, whatever. I mean, sound is just all the time. I mean, you do that just constantly, right? You're just constantly letting things play in our heads. When I study now, I've gotten in a habit over the years that when I study, I have music playing in the background. A lot of times it's just music, movie tracks that I love to hear. 
and they're just playing soft in the background and it helps helps me kind of wash everything out of the background um, but it's a lot of sound happening while I'm while I'm concentrating or trying to concentrate and so um, abstinence of sound means literally putting sounds aside and laying down everything for the purpose of getting kind of quiet now there's a bunch of examples the examples in the scriptures go all the way from Moses is a great example uh, he was 40 years in Egypt and uh, and then he had that situation where he murdered the guy and he had to flee but when he fled he went into the wilderness for 40 years and he becomes a shepherd in the wilderness you think there's a whole lot of people out in the wilderness shepherding sheep in the wilderness in the desert you think a whole lot of shepherds are out there is this big crowd nope he's wandering around all by himself with sheep all by himself with sheep and so Moses is a good example of that Elijah is a great example um, a great example and I, if you if you have your Bibles I'd love for you to turn to 1st Kings 19 um, the great prophet Elijah found these days of solitude in the mountain while he's waiting to meet with God and he's going to be strengthened to take on this evil ruler named Jezebel. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. God said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. So he's on a mountain, and the wind is so strong it's tearing rocks off of it. Right? And he's waiting for God, and God's not there. God's not in the wind, which you would almost think that'd have to be God, right? But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, one translation says. Some old King James says, a still, small voice. And that was the presence of God himself. And it was in the silence that God met Elijah because still small voice in the Hebrew literally means silence. It means quiet. It's quiet. So if we live in a culture that's just jam-packed with lots of input into our ear gate and lots of noise that goes into our mind and our brains, if we're in an, an environment where that's just ramped up all the time and God speaks typically in a silent, still small voice, how are we going to hear? And I believe with all my heart, most Christians miss a ton of instructions that God gives us because we're so our, our lives are so busy and full of noise that we don't discipline ourselves for that. But here's Elijah, one of the great examples. Of course, King David's a great example. Psalm 62, I'm not going to take time to read it, but you guys can, can look at Psalm 62 where David says he waited on the Lord. I love Psalm uh, 40. It also says he waited on the Lord in silence. Uh, but he's all the time trusting in the silence of God to be the place where God instructs and helps him, and he just gets quiet before God. And, of course, David, the man after God's own heart, so it's a great, great example of that. Um, Jeremiah himself, in the Lamentations, um, talks about how he, he says in Lamentations 3.26, it is good to wait patiently. One translation says it this way. It's good to wait silently for the salvation of the Lord. To wait on God quietly. Not all pacing around panicky. Where are you, Lord? What's happening? Why aren't you helping? Panicky. Jeremiah, and by the way, Lamentations is the book of lament, where Jeremiah's lamenting all this tragedy that's become his people Israel, and his, his own life has become tragic. And he says, in the midst of all that, so the, right before it, he says, great is your faithfulness. You are a God of great faithfulness in the midst of all that. But then he says, but it is good to wait silently. 
for the salvation of the Lord. So we have to learn to be silent at times and to quiet ourselves down like Jeremiah. John the Baptist in the New Testament, a great example of a guy that, like Moses, went out into the wilderness. He literally went into the desert for years. Um, so that whole group of guys, uh, the, the desert fathers, uh, became, there was a whole group of men uh, post-John that believed that going out into the desert like John was the thing to do, and they became dead. And there's a, is it St. Anthony is the famous one? Uh, St. Anthony, the desert father that went out there and did these amazing works of God because he went out alone, uh, to, sold all his possessions, and gave up all his wealth and, and helped his sister and some other people with his wealth and, and did some good things with it. And then he just went out into the wilderness to get close to God and ask God, what am I supposed to do every day? Just me and you, nothing out here but me and you. And uh, so John the Baptist, though, was a great example of that, too, because before he could do the work of God as a minister and preach the uh, repentance for salvation uh, and repentance for the kingdom of God is coming, he had to go into the wilderness and get connected with God, just like Moses, before he could do the great work of redemption that he did. He had to get alone. The Apostle Paul. Um, converted on the Damascus Road from Saul to Paul. He was a violent aggressor against the word of, work of God. And then God converted him in this miracle conversion. Right, The Apostle Paul has this incredible conversion. And then after he's converted, he spends three years in Arabia kind of alone. He's just being disciplined by a few guys that are taking care of him. And he's in this quiet place where he can get totally focused and become this Really one of the most amazing church planners and leaders of, of uh, the gospel ever. Uh, and then there's this whole list of, of uh, verses I gave you about Jesus himself. Um, Jesus himself needed solitude. Now I'm just going to make this real clear. If Jesus, who's 100% man like us, but also 100% God, he's both. He's 100% God. If, if while he's walking planet earth, he goes, I need to get away. <laughs> I need quiet time with my father. If he needed that, surely we need that in order to be spiritually healthy. We've got to create times in our schedule to do that. I'm going to talk to you about how don't panic yet. All of you parents are going, there's just no way. I'll tell you how we used to do it and how, how you can do it. So, But Jesus himself, Mark chapter 1, let me just read some of these to you. Mark 1 verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark. That's one of the ways you can do it, by the way. Jesus got up left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early in the morning, I was talking with Pastor Paul uh, at Lake Wildwood. And uh, we have so much in common, it's crazy. And uh, we even have the same shoe size because he stole my shoes one year from camp. Uh, and I've forgiven him for that. But um, he just wore my shoes because he liked them. And uh, anyway, um, it, uh, he was saying how Sunday mornings he loves to get to church really, really early before everybody gets there. Really, really early five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, me too. Like, isn't that the greatest just to be in the sanctuary where it's quiet and just following the, the sounds of the Lord through the building as you're unlocking and praying over all the pews and praying for your church that day and all that. And we just had this great conversation about the quietness of the sanctuary and how sometimes we just sit and I just sit in the pews sometimes in here early in the morning and just, just listen and ask God, just, just talk to me today. Will you just talk and I'll be quiet. It's really amazing, and we were, we were kind of sharing some of that. But it has to be early. We have to get here before you do. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. Now, when he was at the Jordan, who was with him? Anybody? He was being baptized. John the Baptist was baptizing. Man, y'all know your Bibles. John the Baptist was baptizing him. So he's returned from the Jordan from his baptism, right? 
And he was led around by the Spirit into the wilderness. And Jesus went out into the desert for 40 days. And we have this whole thing about, you know, poor Jesus out there fasting and suffering and hunger. Because when it finishes, it says he was hungry. Well, duh, right? But what is what happens at the end of his solitude in the wilderness? What happens? The Satan comes after him. It's a really terrible time to tell us how stupid Satan can be. It's a terrible time to attack somebody after they've had a ton of solitude with God. Because Jesus is so strong, he just quotes one scripture after another and puts every bit of the temptation away. And I believe it's because he wasn't weak, it was because he was strong. He had spent time in solitude. So Jesus has to spend time in solitude. We should do the same thing. There's a ton of other verses. Uh, Jesus went into solitude uh, himself just a little time before... Uh, just a little a little bit before he picked all the disciples. And I believe it was to to let the Lord give him instruction as to which 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 of these knotheads are supposed to be the guys. I mean, there's a whole bunch of dumb people out here. Let me pick the right 12 dumb guys, right? And so he went into solitude uh, just prior to that. And I, I think it's important that you understand that um, the time of solitude is actually a huge benefit. It's a huge benefit to you. It may be one that we're neglecting. Uh, when I was in Romania... Um, we met a guy named uh, Fetty Bachi, and uh, that's him uh, reading his Bible, sitting in, we're, we're in a, he's sitting on a log there in one of our little uh, camp sessions, and he's going to share the word with us, and uh, Fetty Bachi's with the Lord now, but he was tortured for his faith for 18 years um, because he lived in the time that Ceausescu was the ruler of Romania, and people that preached the gospel, Ceausescu's wife especially, hated Christianity, and so anybody that preached the true gospel um, they just started torturing. They literally bulldozed their church down if they could and lots of other terrible things. Well, his he was arrested um, for years. He was They would arrest him on Sunday afternoon after he preached for preaching the gospel. And they would lock him up in a jail just down the street from the church, put him in a local jail. They would mistreat him and not feed him well and beat him uh, and torture him and say, now don't do it this Sunday. And he'd go back and preach a better message every single week. He was getting better and better, and better. And I remember talking to him uh, through translators at the camp about all that, and he said, he literally put his hands on my shoulders. He goes, you're a pastor in, in the United States? I said, yes. He goes, oh, I feel so sorry for you. And he's always being funny. I said, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you probably have to visit people, and you have to go to the hospitals, and you have to help people with stuff. You have to counsel people during the week. And he goes, your week's really busy. And then there's probably stuff you have to care for around the church. You got to go take care of stuff at the church. Yeah, yeah. You have to go do all this stuff. He goes, if you could just live in a country like mine where they arrest you and put you in jail. He goes, they thought by putting me in jail, they were hindering the gospel. And he said, actually, what they were doing was strengthening my resolve of my faith. They were actually helping me live in solitude. He said, like the old saints that went out into the desert, they were helping me live in solitude so I could be stronger. He said, all I had to do was make sure that when they released me on Sunday morning to go back to church, I had to memorize my next passage. And he goes, I've memorized the next Bible verse I'm going to preach in my head. I've memorized it that morning. Preached the last one I had memorized with great power, by the way. I preached that. And then when I got arrested again, I knew they were coming to get me. They take me back to jail. I've got this verse in my head. I can spend my whole week in solitude, meditating on the Word of God. And by the way, he goes, and they made me fast. So and he's like, God was just helping me get stronger. And str And he's like, I just feel so sorry for you that you don't have that. I'm like, well, maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day they'll start arresting us after we preach the gospel. I don't know. 
You know, our country's going, who knows, it might happen. But it's interesting because he understood, like Jesus, that going into the wilderness through that hard time was actually a strengthening. It wasn't a weakening of us. Luke chapter 4, Jesus went into a secluded place. Luke chapter 12. In these days, he he went out into the mountains to pray, and at night he continued in prayer to God. When day came, he called his disciples. That's the one where he calls his disciples. Luke 15, Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness for a time of quiet and prayer. Luke 6, Jesus tells his disciples, come with me to a quiet place and let's get some rest. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6, verse 31. So why should I work on solitude as a, as a discipline? I'm just telling you, it's going to help you tremendously. Uh, number one, it's per- purposeful separation, and it can bring you into some real clarity and truth. If you're having trouble getting your mind focused on things, and you just think about all the people today. I, I listen to this ad. There's an ad that plays on my Pandora music a lot. When I'm cutting grass, I got my Pandora in my ear, and there's an ad that plays about you may have adult ADHD. You may be... Are you having a hard time concentrating? Are you having a hard time you know, concentrating at work, concentrating at home? Do, do noises distract you and all this? And they just keep talking about it. You may have ADHD. And I'm like, well, you might, but you also might just need some solitude. You might need to get away because part of what solitude as a discipline does is a superpower. It can bring clarity and truth into your life. You can slow down long enough to let your brain begin to process something God's been trying to get to you through the power, through the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is the teacher He's your teacher in your brain. And he wants to teach you, but if, you're too, if your brain's too busy doing whatever it's doing, and you're running 100 miles an hour in your life, and you're not taking time to pull back and slow down just for a few minutes a, a week, a few minutes a, a day if you can, and a big block of time somewhere along the way, then you're not going to hear that truth. Uh, by the way, this is not Bible study. I'm not talking about having, you should have quiet time where you study your Bible, and you should have inductive study time like I've taught you. You should really, at some point during the month, Sit down and punch through a passage really hard and get some strong study in. Um, but it's also not just a lengthy prayer time. A lot of people think of solitude as a lengthy prayer time. Prayer means you're talking, right? I'm saying not talking at all. I'm saying being silent before God. <coughs> it's very important. Um, and just think about when's the last time uh, you, you, you've had a, a, a time to, alone with God quietly, quietly. The idea is to take time and and fellowship with God and listen to his still, small voice. Dallas Willard, with the Lord now, great scholar of my my generation that wrote just so many great books. Um, He says, hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life. Um, And he talks about this, but um, we get digitally distracted and uh, urban life is one of the biggest deterrents to spiritual health because you're digitally distracted all the time. And especially now we carry a computer. Used to the computer was in your office and you go to it and sit down and, you know, pull up the computer and figure out what's going on with your email or your, you know, anybody trying to get information to you or what you need to study. Well, now we carry the computer in our pockets. Your computer's never not with you. And I mean, people are just walking around with it all the time, right? So we're digitally distracted all the time. It's not healthy to not be able to put that down. I want to say this to you, real important. God's voice is not going to compete with a lot of other things that have high volume. His voice is soft. It's actually the, the Hebrew word is silent. And God's voice is not going to compete with all those voices. Um, so if you can't figure out a way to silence those and give God's pro- voice priority, there's going to be a challenge for you to, to actually hear God speak to you a lot. And I think a lot of Christians don't hear God as much as they should because of that. That's why it says... 
be still and know. One translation says, stop striving, stop moving. Know that he is God. Um, and we need to have solitude for the purpose of reflecting, purpose of refreshing, hearing from God, hearing our own, literally hearing what's in your own heart. Um, God, God has help for you in silence. Listen to these things I wrote down. In my quietness with God, and I'm coming up to this season of life where, you know, four or five times this year I'll get to go out and sit in a deer stand, and uh, there's nothing like that quiet. That's, that's the best of the best. But there also needs to be quiet times where you come just sit somewhere, whether it's in this sanctuary. And by the way, we'll be happy to let you sit in here sometime by yourself if you want to. Um, you can, we have property here that's you know, a great place just to park and sit. Turn everything off and let this place be that. But God has help for you in that silence. God has strength for you in silence. God has courage for you in silence. God has hope for you in silence. God has love and grace for you in the silence. We must discipline ourselves to live with silence in our lives. We have to discipline ourselves to do that. Don Whitney in one of his books says, one of the costs of technological advancement is a greater temptation to avoid quietness. So let me just give you a couple of how-tos, finding solitude. All right, here's a couple of things that will help you. Number one, you need to schedule a time and a place to do it. If you don't write it on a schedule, it's not going to happen. Those of you that are married or have families, you have to tell the family what your schedule is, especially if your schedule is to go have a quiet place and a quiet time. Um, and you just need to schedule it. Number two, when you, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Number two, you need to turn off your electronics. Um, I've had to practice this in my personal devotion life. We talked about this some at the, I talked with some pastors, young pastors at the conference we were at. We were asking each other for advice on things. And, and I said, I have, when I get to have study time with the Lord and try to really get focused on a good devotional that I'm reading, a passage that I'm reading, my brain immediately kicks into, and even when I have a prayer time, my brain will kick into um, all the stuff. I'm a, to, I'm a task person, so my brain starts doing a to-do list as fast as it can go. Um, did you take care of this? Have you changed the oil in the truck, or have you changed the oil in the lawnmowers? Um, did you did you talk to that guy about cutting his grass? Have you, you know, did you when you talk to Al, did you make sure he doesn't need something to the hospital? What time are you gonna go see him? My brain just starts as fast as it'll go. It's a, it's an activity scheduling it's a to-do my brain does to-dos all the time right so when i try to focus on god and my brain goes into that gear i have to literally put a piece of paper next to me and start scratching writing stuff down and now i just use my phone and my apps and i'll type it in okay make sure you do this make sure you do that and it's like i'm having to purge all this stuff that's distracting enough to where i can lay it aside and go now i know i won't forget it because as a to-doer forgetting something will freak you out right so i have to lay it aside now i'm like okay Anything else now? I think, we're clean. I think we're good. Now my brain can focus and I can get back to paying attention. So I have to work hard myself to get offline and, and turn off the electronics, but I have to keep a record so I know I'm not going to lose something. And, uh, and then number three, part of solitude, this is the hardest thing in the world, by the way, to me. I know some of you are big. There's a great line from the movie Silverado, one of my favorite westerns ever. If you haven't seen Silverado and you're a western fan, you got to see Silverado. Uh, there's a great line in that where, where one of the characters goes, he goes, what, what do you want me to do? And the, other, the sheriff goes, we don't want you to do anything, just nothing. He goes, I'm a big fan of doing nothing. <laughs> and that's a great line. But I'm not built that way. I'm a doer. It, it drives me nuts to sit and do nothing. Um, I'm not real good at just sitting, but part of solitude is that. Literally, number three is do nothing and don't try to make things happen. Don't try to make God talk to you or you talk to God. 
You know, don't try to entertain yourself. That's something that we do a lot in our heads. You know, you start humming or whistling or, you know, something's going on. It's like, hey, I got all this activity going on. Um, but stop trying to produce thoughts or envision some sort of spiritual wisdom. The, a part of solitude with God is to just relax and be in His presence. It's just to literally sit and be in His presence. As uh, I've gotten older, and that's gotten younger in our marriage, as we've gotten older as a couple, we can just sit now. We don't have to just, you know, jabber away or work on our schedules together. We can just literally be together. And it's part of that maturing relationship that says, I'm okay to just sit, right? I don't have to be active about anything. But intimacy with God that's described in Psalm chapter 1 is exactly that. It's to be in His presence, not having to talk at all. Or Him not talking to you, but just being there, knowing you're there. Be still and know. It's a knowing thing. So we just have to relax. And then number four, I'm going to encourage you with this, and then we'll get very specific in a minute. All right? Push through the initial discomfort um, because quiet is very uncomfortable. Uh, I'm not going to take time to do it now, but if I just sat for one minute and didn't say a word and you just had to sit still, I know you've had services where something like that happened. There's just this dead silence for a minute. The minute feels like eight minutes, like ten minutes, like it was, you know? You know, when people are holding hands and praying and go, all right, you know, I'll pray last, but, you know. And then the guy that's going to pray last waits forever. You know, you're like waiting on somebody else to pray. And you go, nobody else going to pray. Man. Come on, pray. Been quiet for so long. Come on, pray. Huh? You know what that feels like, don't you? Bill's like, is he never, yeah, never going to pray? Right? So, so part of us is just to learn to go, all right, I've got to embrace this quiet and push through the discomfort and be patient so God can visit you with refreshing. And I promise you, he will. Now, let me just throw in a little side note. It's not going to be on the handout at all. Um, let me throw in this side note about the voices you're going to hear when in the silence. There's multiple voices that come in silence. One, you're going to hear your, uh, your voice often wants to push you back and, and try to try to bring you up, tell you to go you know, play some music or something. You're going to hear your own head talking to you some, and uh, you need to resist that to let it become quiet. And I just have to tell myself sometimes, stop, stop, be quiet. I have to tell myself, right? Talk yourself into it, right? Um, you're also the enemy. Satan loves to talk during quiet time. Sometimes uh, disobedient, he loves to talk during quiet time, and he wants to tempt you uh, during that time. So you have to resist the devil. And I've actually said out loud before during when I'm trying to get just solitude going, I'll just say, Satan, you have no place today. It's just me and God. You have no place in the here. And I resist him, and he'll flee from you. James chapter four says. Um, and then God can quiet your head if you'll ask him. So. So sometimes you just need to say, God, I need you to quiet my head and my heart. I need you to quiet this whole environment and let my soul rest in you. I like to say that to him a lot. God, I want my soul to rest in this minute. By the way, solitude, I'm not talking about for like an hour or two. I'm talking about for if you need 10 minutes. If you can start by doing three minutes of solitude, you'll find rest for your soul in that. We'll talk about that as we go. But it happens to me a lot in these quiet spaces where I have to have to listen for God's voice. So number four, um, ask God to quiet your thing and then ignore your voice or push your voice out, quiet it, tell Satan to go away, and then listen for God's voice. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes God doesn't want to speak. He just wants to exist with you. He just wants to be in your presence. He doesn't have to talk. And if you don't think that's true, read 
there's a bunch of places in Revelation where he's quiet, right? Before great things happen. But there's a bunch of places in the New Testament where Jesus was just quiet. When you'd think he would speak to an issue. And he was really quiet. Um, there's times in the Old Testament when God is not giving information to Israel yet. Because it's not time. And he's just quiet with them. That's why Jeremiah says it is good to wait silently for the salvation of the Lord. We're going to wait on God. So listen for his voice in those quiet places. Um, but And here's the part I wanted to, the reason why I threw this in. Sometimes in that quiet time, God needs to point at stuff in you that's not okay. He needs to, he needs to deal with impurities in you and pull the dross out of us. And so sometimes when you get into a quiet, intimate solitude with God, even a short one, he wants to point at something that's not attractive in you. And your brain won't let go of that unattractive thing. You know, it's some attitude or some some uh, problem that you've got that you're wrestling with and you've, you've kind of spiritualized it maybe with everybody else and it's a little more polished outside. But now that you're alone with God, now that you're alone with God, it's just you and him. He's like, see, there's nobody else for me to... I'm not going to embarrass you with anybody, so I'm just going to make sure you're aware of this. And he'll, he'll, So the voice you hear will be the Holy Spirit um, convicting you of something. And I want to tell you, those are complex, right? Because it's a quiet time that you're trying to get along with God, and he's pointing at something that's not attractive. But I think it's healthy. I think it's actually one of those beautiful places you know, where he can purify and help us. Maybe a, a, an inner conflict you're having with yourself or somebody else. Maybe something you believe about yourself that's not true. Uh, it could be a hidden sin that you have that nobody else knows about. It could be a really bad idea. Uh, I've had some really bad ideas, and the Lord's had to go, all right, while, while we're still in quiet, don't be stupid. Just kind of how it feels to me when he says that. And he loves me to say that. Um, and it's not condemnation, but he's correcting you for your betterment. It, uh, uh, he's, he's wanting you to feel stronger. Dallas Willard, in one of his books on discipline, says, we can only survive solitude if we cling to Christ while we're in there. Right? So we cling to him. So let me give you a real quick seven benefits of, of silence. These are all scripturally based. I put the verses with them so you can track with them. Um, if you write these verses down beside them, you can study these later. Um, number one, you'll have a greater ability to hear God's will and his blessing for you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, part of the Beatitudes. Uh, you will hear his blessings for you. Number two, you can get closer to God. Draw near to me, James 4, and I will draw near to you. And if you, if your solitude is not to run away from somebody or things, and ladies, uh, especially you with children, <laughs> you can't run away from your children in a solitude. That's all about you. And you might need quiet time like that too, by the way. Those are important quiet times, mamas. Right? I remember my wife homeschooling our kids, our, you know, three, little, three little stair steps all together, and me coming home sometimes, she's like, I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> He goes, they're all yours. And she's in the car. I pull up and we have one car. I pull up in the car. Cody knows how this feels. Pull up in the car. And she's in the car and go, I'm like, okay, all the kids are mine now. Here we go. All right. Exactly now. Y'all know how that feels. Right. Now there's there's a need for that for her to get that space away, but that's not a solitude with God. That's a I can't take my family for a little while. I need a little sanity to happen, right? So that's not what we're talking about. But but there is a time when you can get closer to God if you'll turn to him. And come into his presence and get real close to him into his presence. Number three, it nourishes your soul. And Isaiah uh, talks about this, about nourishing your very soul when you're in his presence and you're just quiet with him. Um, silence, according to Habakkuk, we read it earlier today, expresses worship to God. 
And it also expresses faith in God. Psalm 62, David has this beautiful prayer where he expresses faith in God through that. Um, silence also is a spiritual refreshment, number six. It's spiritual refreshment for you. It's going to refresh you and help you. And then it gives you spiritual perspective. Spiritual perspective. And, and uh, this is the passage in Luke um, where, uh, oh, the guy's name just went right out of my head, but it's where the where they bring Jesus uh, or where, um, is it Ze Zechariah in Luke? Uh, and he's, he's struck dumb. He's not allowed to talk. Is it Zechariah? Is that the name I'm remembering? But he can't he can't talk for a while because of the way he saw the work of God working, and he didn't believe it at first. And then God said, "You're going to be dumb, silent for a while." And why am you going to do that? So you can get a perspective on God's work. And then later, of course, he has this great praise of of uh, God bringing um, John the Baptist into the world. So um, really phenomenal ways that God can work in us. So let me give you a couple of suggestions. You can just write these down maybe on the back of your handout. Just four little, five little suggestions. Number one, you need to start with minutes, not hours. If you've not practiced this before, um, you need to start small. So, you know, just set, set yourself. So I'm going to take five minutes. Try five. It's hard. Five's hard if you haven't done it for a time. Um, and you can work up to longer periods. You might have to start at two or three. Um, you have to trade off responsibilities. This is where the spouses help each other or just your accountability friends. You have to trade off responsibilities. If you are if you have a young family, you're going to have to say, hey, I'm going to schedule my quiet uh, slot for this. You schedule yours for this, and we're going to trade those responsibilities out. I'll take care of the kids while you get yours. You take care of the kids while I get mine. And um, Then you have to set a goal. Uh, I would set a goal for weekly periods of silence. I, we would... We would be a much stronger church if we would spend time in solitude with God listening and waiting on His voice to speak to us. We would get stronger very quickly. Um, some of the strongest people I've ever known, um, and I'll give you the example that I use way too much, and I'm sorry I do that, but it's Robert E. Cochran. He had lots of quiet solitude time with God, and his walk was to me almost identical to what Jesus. He lived so much like Jesus in his daily life his daily activities with people, his interactions that I spent time, Robert and others here that spent time with him, you just watched him talk to people, act with people like Jesus acted. And the way he got that was quiet time with God. So we need to set a goal for weekly periods of silence. And then I would encourage you to plan a, a, a longer period, maybe a weekend where you can um, just go sit somewhere at a park or you don't have to drive far, um, but just plan a bigger block of time where you can get into a, a place where you're just able to focus and get quiet. And by the way, church is always available. It's fairly quiet around here most of the days during the week. Some days there's activities here, but it's fairly quiet here. And uh, and you can always go sit on the ball field and watch the crows fly and and uh, just, just enjoy the quiet out there. Um, but you need to find a place that works for you. And in your home, um, I would encourage you young families, especially in your home, um, you should have somewhere in one room or something where everybody knows if we're going to borrow, if, we're, if, if mom or dad need quiet, we're going to go here. And it's, quite, it's just quiet for, even if it's three minutes, it's just a moment of quiet. And it's to be with God, not to be running away from your kids or, or whatever. But solitude is one of the things that will strengthen you spiritually that we tend to overlook. That's why I was naming this thing superpowers. It's like this secret weapon of the faith a lot of people, a lot of people don't discipline themselves to do it anymore in our culture. 
it's extremely hard because we're so busy and so active and all that. And uh, the little quiet times you can make for the, for yourself, uh, I just encourage you to practice it this week. And I'd love for you to just shoot a testimony out uh, to me an email or whatever and tell me if you had a three-minute quiet time and you freaked out during that three minutes, that'd be fine. It'll happen the first couple of times. You'll freak out. But eventually, you'll get used to the quiet and you'll enjoy it. Sometimes, by the way, you can just turn your radio off in your car if you're driving. You just turn your radio off and let your car be quiet for you. And uh, even the drive time then can become time where God can begin to unlock things in your heart and your head and speak to you. Um, but you got to shut out some of that noise.